Life can take us on unexpected paths that leave us with emotional wounds and scars. But these scars do not have to be a burden that we carry alone. I'm Jocelyn Biederset, a childhood sexual assault survivor, and this is Invisible Scars, a podcast where we connect and learn from those who have come out stronger on the other side of trauma. So today I am sitting down with Sherry Gaba and Carla Romo. Sherry is a psychotherapist, life coach, and author of Love Smacked, and Carla is a speaker, coach, and author of Contagious Love. Together, they are the host of the Love Fix podcast, the coaches behind the Love Fix coaching program. And today we talk about trust in relationships, following trauma, healing from codependency, and love addiction. This was such a great episode. We had such a fun conversation. The way these two bring humor to these really, really important topics is just contagious, and I absolutely love it. So let's get into today's episode. No, you know what? I just finished listening to your episode on unraveling love addiction Mm -hmm. with um, Whitney Walker. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. The whole time I was like blow drying my hair. I was like, yes, yes. Like you, (laughs) you were just describing me. I was like, this is the best episode I've ever heard. So honestly, anyone who's listening right now, go and listen to that episode because it, I honestly feel like it doesn't just apply to intimate relationships. Like when you think about that love addiction, like it also can be like parents or siblings or friends or whatever, wherever you're getting that feed, right? Like I was picking up on it from so many different areas in my life, not just like previous intimate relationships, but like Excellent. Never thought of it that way, but that's fantastic. Well, it's kind of like codependency, right? Because I always say that it's not just relationships with codependency. It could be literally like your relationship with work could be codependent or your relationship with your friends or your family. So I definitely could see it being like interchangeable there. Mm. Totally. Yeah, it can go. You know, what's funny. I just did an episode with Dr. Holly Richmond on like reclaiming your power in sex and intimacy. And I actually had someone reach out to me this morning and say, I've never been sexually abused, but I do have this trauma from having cancer and my body is different and I'm not able to, I feel like I have this sexual trauma based on what I look like now and what's been happening to my body. And I'm like, I actually need to pay more attention to this, how these topics, like you get so hyper-focused on like the sexual abuse or whatever that trauma is, but it can relate over so many different aspects of it. Oh yeah. There's many, many abuses. I mean, anything from divorce Mm -hmm. to death, tsunami, earthquakes, uh, you know, relationship, toxic relationships, which of course we'll get into today. So yes, many, many, many different types of abuses. Mm-hmm. And you know what, before we get into this, the first part of this episode, I just want to say the way the two of you um, tackle these hard conversations, but then it's funny and your humor, like <laughs> it makes me just feel like you're my best friend. I'm like, <gasps> yes, this is like, you're saying what goes you on in my head. Friend. You can be our best yeah. friend. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll take it. Yes. I know, but you're saying the things that are going on, like the inappropriate things that are happening in my head as we're talking about it. I'm like, yes. Okay. I like this. Totally. Well, I don't know. Like Sherry and I have both, I mean, you know, we're like in, I'm in recovery from my codependency. Sherry's a recovering um, love addict and codependent. And so you got to laugh. I mean, like there's Mm -hmm. an insanity of being in your codependency that is just like, what the heck? And at the time, like, you know, when you're going through it, you're like, holy shit, this is a lot, you know, end of the world. But like, when you are in the healing process, you can look back and just be like, what the hell was going on? Like, what was I thinking? Yeah. And you know, the truth is when you're in it, you don't realize something really great is on its way. 
like when you're in it, you have no idea. You think this is how I'm going to feel forever and ever. And I always say that just, just wait, just wait. There's going to be, you know, I hate to always say there's a reason for this because you don't want to hear that when you're in it, but it truly is, you know, there's something's on its way, some great possibilities on its way from this, this trauma or this pain. That is so true. And that's honestly something I've held on to really tightly in my own healing process is like telling myself there is no fucking way I went through this just to go through it. Yep. hundred percent. Yes. Like it's just not possible. I refuse to accept it. Yep. Absolutely not. And sometimes people get it earlier than like Carla. I mean, I am amazed by Carla. She's what? 31 now? 32? 32. 30, 32. She's with the wisdom that she has at her age, I only wish I had, but there's no shame. You know, you get it when you get it. I probably really grew up when I was in my like early fifties. I mean, that's kind of when I got it and I'm older than that now and I'm still getting it. So it's all about, you get it when you get it. Ooh, I really like that one. You get it when you get it, because you know what? It's true. There were moments where my friends were like telling me things and telling me things. And I'm like, yeah, I hear you, but like, it's not clicking. And then one day it clicks and you're like, holy frick, I can't believe I was such a goddamn idiot. Like, what was I doing? (laughs) This is so embarrassing. Yes. And I, you know, I don't know. I work with clients who are, you know, I mean, of all ages, like 30s, 40s, 50s. But I also have clients in their 70s who are just getting it for the first time. And I'm like, fuck yes. Like, how Mm -hmm. amazing that like you're living your life out and growing and making these changes. Like, it is never too late to grow. It is never too late to change. It's never too late to break free of codependency or toxic behaviors, right? Like, all of these things are just so important. It's part of life. There's really no age limit to it. Oh, I really love that because even thinking like, how many people do we have in our life that are like our grandparents or our great grandparents? And we look at them and we're like, I really wish that they would just change this thing or realize this thing. And then they could just be so much happier. Yeah. Yes. It's that generational gap, right? Where they're just a little bit more closed-minded and a little bit more reserved and not wanting to share as much, right? Right, right. Well, I was going to say, I also think as well, I was just thinking about this, Sherry, because my mom's in her 60s. She's actually just close to Sherry's age. And, um, you know, my mom's done so much work on herself. Sherry's done so much work on herself, but they're both single parents. And so I, I wonder if there's something in terms of like when you're married and you're in that, like, I hate to say Sherry generation because I'm not trying to age you here, but like, mm-hmm. you know, that you're like more maybe closed minded. It's like you are in this relationship. You're not doing as much work with your partner, but because you've had to go through something like a divorce or a death or something and you're, you're a single woman or, or man, but like, you know, we're talking about women here. So it's like a single woman. I wonder if there's some, some kind of correlation there around like people who are in their sixties or seventies who no, that's are a doing great work point. on themselves. Everything I've done was stemmed from being a single mother, going back to school, becoming a therapist stemmed from being a single mother. So I think there's absolutely something to say around being a single mom. You have to get your shit together if you're going to oh, raise yeah. a kid by yourself. So yes, I would agree. Yeah, you're almost forced to evolve, right? You're forced to like take action, to be better, to stand up, to help your kids through. You just got to like, you just got to do it. But when you have someone that you can be codependent with, you become complacent and you don't really have the same drive to evolve. Right. Yeah. Sometimes relationships do that. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're, yeah. I agree. I love what the two of you are doing. I love this. So I would love for you to tell everybody who's listening, how did the two of you get into the coaching and relationship space? Sherry, go for it. You take it away. 
Okay. Well, it stemmed from being a single mom. I was going to help other single moms and that's how it started. And it kind of morphed into many other types of um, populations. I've worked in addiction. Um, I was really focused on addiction and alcoholism. I had done celebrity rehab on BH1 probably around 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, my, my obsession was him the ex-alcoholic. So that's where that began. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm focusing on him and my career too. Oh my God, I got to stop this. And that's where the codependency uh, work began in my own life. And then I decided, you know, I want to help other women heal from codependency, from their obsessions, from um, their love addiction, from having to be in a relationship to feel whole. And then that moved into trauma. I hired my own trauma therapist, around the same time and everything changed. That was a game changer. And then I became a trauma expert. Um, And I think what is so great about your generation is there is so much on Instagram. There is so much information out there. Some of it's noise, but some of it's really good. And if you can learn um, these things, even by a post and say, okay, I think I'm going to hire a therapist. I need to work on this trauma. That is trauma. Um, I love that. So I really didn't start working on the trauma piece for myself until I was in my early 50s. Then I became certified myself in these different modalities related to trauma. And the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. You've had an amazing career. She has. She she fucking she has. has. Own it, Sherry. Yeah. Take it and own, <laughs> own it. <laughs> I will, I will receive, I will receive. It's hard. It's I've worked hard. I've worked hard and now I'm getting to the other season of my life. You know, I'm getting closer to retirement. So I'm kind of slowing down. Don't want to slow down the podcast. Love Carla, love our work together. And I know we're making a difference in the world. Uh, but in other areas, yes, I am slowing down, not seeing, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just slowing down a little bit. You've earned it. I have. That's why I moved to Florida. I live in Florida. I live on the ocean. I actually live in Florida and California. And that was my first step step was like the ocean has, has really, um, you know, sort of pushed me in that direction of slowing down. I love that. So you're living my dream. So (laughs) yeah, it's possible. Just put it on your bucket list. It was on my bucket list my whole life. And then it happened. Tell us about you. You are just hilarious. And I, like I said, I want to be your best friend to both of you. Yeah, and we can be I'm going to squeeze my way in. This is the thing. Uh, so yeah, I actually like to say that this totally happened when I was a child. Uh, my father was abusive. So there was domestic violence when I was really little. And that was the early trauma that I experienced. And so as a result of that, and my parents divorced when I was really little, but I, I didn't get help for that trauma until my... Um, really like early 20s. And at the time, like I was just in, and I talk about this a lot in my book, Contagious Love, Break Free from Codependency for Damn Good, where I just was in all these relationships and I just needed that validation. Like, oh, you're lovable. You're enough. You're worthy. Like if I could be in a relationship, even though it was unhealthy or it was toxic, and that proved that I was enough, that I was lovable. And I'd find people to fix too. Loved doing that. Loved projects. Um, and so it wasn't until my early 20s where I was in an abusive relationship. And I really just saw two paths in front of me. It was like, all right, Carla, you either continue down this path, which is familiar. And you know that these relationships are unhealthy and you keep doing this over and over again. Or you end that relationship. And as I like to say, uh, begin the most important relationship I'll ever have, which is the relationship with myself. And so I ended that relationship. And that's really where I broke free from the codependency. 
I learned how to love myself. And I, and I say that self-love is a journey. There is no destination. I feel like there's a lot of noise on social media around self-love and there's a quick fix and blah, blah, blah. But like self-love is a journey. There's no destination to it. And I think as a codependent, you have to really you know, come to terms and acceptance that it's this journey. Uh, and at the time I was working in television and uh, I just, I wasn't fulfilled. My relationship with work was also codependent and ego driven, which was the codependency around, you know, oh, well, it's next, you know, next gig to next gig to next gig. Um, you know, they like me. Good. I got hired on another show. I'm, I'm just going to keep burning out because I have to prove that I'm worthy, which is bullshit. And um, so once I really made these changes, my relationships stopped reflecting the codependency. My work stopped reflecting the codependency. And I thought, what do I want to do? And I was like, I really want to help people. I want to help women, especially break free from codependency. And so that's where I started my business, linked up with Sherry, um, <laughs> and, and really took it off from there. Wrote your book. We had an interesting meeting. Uh, oh, yes, she has a book. And I have a book. <laughs> I want to hear about Sherry this meeting. Has a book too. I really want to hear. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, she does. Sherry, tell us your tell us what your book is and then tell us about your meeting. I would love to know. Oh, the book is Love Smacked and it's how to heal uh, from relationship addiction and codependency. And it's almost like a workbook and a book all in one. And it's available yeah. on Kindle and it's called Love Smacked. Amazing. I love these two books combined, I think are going to be like so good for people. This topic, I'm obsessed with this topic because it speaks so loud to me, but I really want to know about the first time you two met. Well, Carla invited me to be on an Instagram live. So I'm like, you know, how do I do an Instagram live? Like, I don't know this technical stuff. Like, what's And let me just like throw this out there too. It's like, I love collaborating. I'm huge on collaboration as a business owner, as a coach. Like, I'm really big on like supporting other women who are also in the same field and, and whatnot. So I was looking for people just to collaborate with. Yeah, it was fun. We did this great Instagram live. I had been thinking about a podcast for a long time. I would say years. You know, it's just always like, who's the right person? Who is the right? And I wanted to do it with someone. So who's the right co-host? And people would come to mind, but nothing like, uh. And then I met Carla and I'm like, oh my God, I love her energy. I love that we're 30 years apart. I love that she's a dating coach. It really complements what I do as a therapist dealing with you know, trauma and depression, anxiety and all that stuff, you know, it kind of just worked together perfectly. Uh, and the fact that we both work, do codependency stuff. So that was it. I'm like, we have to do a podcast. So that's how it happened. Amazing. Yeah. The marriage of the two of you third year. That's amazing. Yeah. The marriage of your two personalities, your expertise, what the two of you do, it's like just a perfect recipe. I love it. And you've talked to so many people. Like I was looking on your podcast yesterday. You have like over a hundred, you have a hundred episodes. Yeah. How many episodes at this point? Sherry, we're so, we record so far out, but I don't know. We have, we have well over a hundred at this point. Well, we've done one every week for almost three years. So yeah, three years in February. That's incredible. So two years, yeah. eight months or something like that. That's amazing. I would love to know, you know, of all the people you've worked with and talked with, um, there's so many trauma survivors that, that listen to this podcast. And if you could share some of the most common patterns that you've found in individuals who've experienced trauma in the past, like I, I know for myself, the correlation between it is just so strong and hearing the two of you talk, I'm like, click, click, click. 
Yes. Well, the, the biggest issues are abandonment issues, right? So a lot of people that get into toxic relationships usually have really severe abandonment issues. When I think of my own trauma, I was a premature baby. I was in a incubator for three months. I didn't meet my mother. I didn't have that attachment, that nurturing for three months, none of that bonding. And if anybody knows about early childhood development, you really need to have that bonding, right? You know, you think, I don't, do you have children? Jessalyn, do you have children? I do. You do. I do. So you think about that little baby and you're you're connecting with them. You're having like, you know, touched, you know, body to body contact. Well, when you don't get any of that, you're always looking outside yourself. Like I want something outside of myself to make me feel good. I was looking for that nurse to pick me up or looking for my mommy to pick me up. So I didn't get that early, that early um, nurturing that I needed. So that's where my love addiction and codependency developed right from the get-go. And so always looking for something outside of myself to make myself feel good. So that's a huge one. That's now that's my story. There's other types of abandonment. There's neglect, there's addiction, there's alcoholism, there's abuse. Any of those things are I see really being prevalent in people that pick toxic relationships. So that would be yeah. my answer. To that rings trauma. really true. I, I would even say too, in terms of just dating, right? Like having one foot in, one foot out, like waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's a big one that a lot of my clients face, especially from past relationships where maybe it was abusive and, or, you know, somebody broke up suddenly with them or they didn't expect it, or there was a lack of communication. So they were always left hanging, like what's happening? What's going to like, you know, what's going to happen next? Um, so I, I see that a lot in terms of the dating side of things. Um, the other thing as well is, uh, like attachment styles, right? Like you <laughs> Read my mind, Carla. I was just uh, going to say see, that. As <laughs> <laughs> and so like avoidant attachment, anxious attachment, right? Not having a secure attachment. Um, you know, those also can be a, a, def- a defect of trauma. And a big one is lack of trust, like not trusting. Oh, yourself. that's a big one. Yeah. You know, like if you grow up Huge. and you feel invisible and you don't really know who you are because you didn't get what you needed, you're kind of in the ethers of nothingness. And it's like, oh, is this good? Is this bad? I had a client this morning, actually a, a man client keeps doing things in his life, you know, not even just relationships, but like he hired a contractor with without really knowing the contractor, not really listening to his gut. like is it? And then we started exploring and he's like, oh yeah, I thought he was kind of weird, but he hired him anyway. Why? Because he didn't listen to his, what Carla says, he didn't listen to his own damn gut. He damn gut. So um, <laughs> yeah, trust is a big one. And so I love when I, when I say to people, you know, I know you're not trusting yourself right now, but who knows where you'll be in six months from now? You know, six months from now, you might have that trust in yourself because you're working on your, these deeper, deeper issues inside yourself. Mm, also, what a scary experience. Like I know for myself, like I've always had a really loud inner voice. Like my gut has always been really loud. And that just comes from, you know, an abusive childhood where I had to read a room before I walked into it to make sure I was safe. Right. So as an adult, I'm like, wanting to trust everybody because I just want that love and that like, not, I don't want to say attention because that like sounds so negative, but I just want that loving something. Yeah. So I'm like 
over-trusting and giving my love away and like hoping and hoping that someone will give it back to me and constantly getting the same results. How many of us feel are doing that? Oh God, I used to literally go on dates. I mean, it's funny because I was just thinking about this, how I told my therapist this like 10 years ago where I was sitting in her office and I was like, I couldn't date somebody whose parents are married and happily together. You know, like <laughs> I, weird. Needed, I needed somebody <laughs> who was just as fucked up as me, right? Like, because that was my mindset at the time. Like I need somebody who's been through is just as much fucked up or worse things as me because then we'll get each other. And like, that is not a healthy bond. And so as a result, like I trusted people up front and would tell them like what was going on, you know, and they tell me and it was just like, we got each other. It's so toxic. That's, so toxic. Yeah, nice, oh my a God. nice little trauma bond there. You know, yes. meeting someone where you have sim- similar backgrounds, you know, that that's why we should be together. That is our connection. It's a huge one. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work out. <laughs> no, no, it does not it work out. No, does it not never work does. Out. No, no, yep. no, no, no. You know, it's not like you don't want to be, attra- you want to just pick anybody. You got to be attracted to someone, but start figuring out like, what's really important in a person. Are they kind? Are they loving? Are they compassionate? Are they thoughtful? Like these are things we don't think about when we're um, mm-hmm. in our codependency. We just want someone who's yummy, someone that tastes good. Someone, well, not tastes good. That's kind of weird. Taste well, I mean, good. Hey. Someone, <laughs> someone who... <laughs> <laughs> someone who <laughs> smells good, someone who has a great smile, like the things that I attached myself to. Oh my God. God, mm-hmm. how do you spell shallow? Oh, I know. And honestly, like for the two, I'm curious what the two of you think about this because in an unhealed version of myself, and I know a lot of people probably feel the same, I'm not attracted to safe. I'm not attracted to, you know, has it together, not traumatized, not going to um, mentally abuse me or use me or whatever. Like I just wasn't attracted to those types of people. Yeah. They're looking for the excitement. Yes. That's always where I say when clients are used to the ups and downs and now they're like dating. Like I've got a client right now and she's got a, a boyfriend who's really stable, but she feels bored. You know, like, it's just kind of like, yeah, is this really the one? And I'm like, but, but there, you know, she's like, for the other guys, I was so much more, you know, attracted. And I was like, you're mistaking dysfunction, right? The up, the dopamine hits, right? When we talk about like that mm. addiction for attraction. Ooh, that's, you're 100% right. The dopamine hit where it's just like complete chaos. Also, chaos is comfortable when you've grown up with chaos. You know chaos. You know what to expect. You know what dysfunction brings and you know how to handle it. It You know how to find your way through it. It is your default. Yeah, you complain about it but you know how to handle it. Uh-huh. I, I yep. love the well factor. Like when you talk about someone you're dating and you know it's not right and you're like, well, well, well. <laughs> you know, you just know at that point, no, this is a no. <laughs> but you're trying to make it a yes. Exactly. Yeah. So in the, in the talking about healing from codependency, first off, what can you explain to us what codependency is? Okay. So, th- you know, this is something that there's no official like definition of it. So, but basically long story short, the easiest way that I could give you a definition of it is you lose a part of yourself to someone else. Now I'm going to go a little bit in depth here. So maybe the other person has addiction, mental health is emotionally unavailable is abusive, whatever, right, is going on with them, your motive is I need you to be okay so that I'm okay. So as a result, you neglect your needs, 
you neglect your wants, you neglect your life. And now you are putting your feet, both feet into this person and trying to fix, change, control. Codependency is actually a very controlling, manipulative uh, behavior. And it doesn't mean you're a narcissist. It doesn't mean you're an abuser. It just means manipulation of the sense that I need to do anything and everything to make sure you're okay. So then I'm okay. Ooh. Wow. Did you paint a very, very good picture of what that is? Like, I, I can actually picture it as you're saying. And it's interesting too how, like, now that I've done all this work, you would never imagine giving up on yourself to, to help somebody else, somebody, somebody else's dysfunction. Well, because you want to feel needed. You don't feel, you know, unless this mm-hmm. person needs you, you don't, I mean, that's your whole self worth is how needed you are. I mean, when I was with yeah. my alcoholic ex, it was like, you know, I, you know, you want to hold, you end up holding them hostage. You don't want them to leave. You already have your own abandonment issues. So if, if they get well, I mean, you want them to get well, but you really don't want them to get well. It's kind of a mm-hmm. mixed bag. It's like, well, if they get well, they right. might leave me. So, and I, and it's really a high. I mean, I remember when my ex would call me and he was drunk and he was sitting in his car and he's like, oh, you have to come get me. You have to come get me. I, I'm dying. He'd say, I loved it. I'm dying. And I would I'd get this like high, like I'd get in my car and I'd drive over there and I'm going to help him and I'm going to get him into rehab. And I did this over and over and over again. And then finally, mm. you know, I started getting sick. I, I had shingles. I had a staph infection. I had anxiety and depression. Um, I was losing hair. And I realized this is not okay. I am making this person my higher power. Um, and then I had to actually get sick physically, mentally, spiritually to actually change my life and to let go and actually divorce him. Because it was killing me, loving him, loving him was killing me. <laughs> is really what it <laughs> your came body down was to. telling you, right? It's that it's that saved it save the day energy that gets really addictive. Yeah, I would definitely call it that. Save that's the day a great. Energy. I actually haven't heard of it that way, but I really like that. Hell yeah, we're yeah. gonna write that Ooh, one down. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a great quote. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too because even as somebody who now is on the other side of something like this, um there are moments and anyone who's listening it's not like, oh, you, you heal from this and then suddenly those those triggers aren't there anymore because they are. And there have been moments in the last year where I've had to actually talk myself out of doing things that I knew were really toxic or reaching out to people that I knew were not a part of the new version of myself that was just not helping me be the best version of myself. And I mean, talking myself through it, like, okay, I will still text this person and I will still call this person. But first I want to figure out why I want to do this and what the outcome will be. And I really work through those practices of like, and at the end of it, I'm like, Oh God, why would I do that? Like it's, you have to actively kind of take yourself through these steps sometimes. Like it's not a miracle drug. Like, what is my goal? What is my intention? Um, and I'm going to just add this. And then I know Carla wants to say something. We have relapses. Codependents and love addicts have relapses. And then you just you just start over again. And it's okay. And it's not about shaming or blaming yourself. You know, just like an alcoholic has relapses, we have relapses too, because that's what we knew. That's all that we knew. And we're trying to change old patterns. And um, sometimes it just happens where we end up doing things that we used to do and then going, okay, I don't want to do that anymore more and not beating ourselves up. Yes. I will also add to this of just the fact that like, it's a daily practice to stay emotionally sober as a codependent, right? And, and to be able to just like keep showing up to your day to day and just catching yourself, right? Like what you're talking about. Okay. Anybody who identifies as 
a codependent, right? Whether you are, you know, healing in your codependency or you you just are starting your journey of this. I will tell you right now, like everybody has slip ups. Like everybody does. This is part of the thinking of codependency, right? And so it's really just about bringing yourself back to the present, just like in this moment. For me, it's really big of having like a spiritual connection, uh, you know, just so it's just not myself. I'm not the one in control, you know, in the driver's seat. And, and that's helpful, but there's these tools. So, right, even if you have a slip up, right, and you're in your healing process, it's never going to be like, you know, square one, like back to the beginning, right, where you're just like, oh my gosh, my life is so crazy and insane. Um, because you have tools, like you said, to be able to like, bring yourself back to the present. Hmm. Ooh, emotionally sober. I really, really like that. Yeah, that is a good one. You know, I always say to like hearing you talk about. I've said this often too. When Sherry said, um, you know, it's just like if you have alcohol addiction or a drug addiction, and you know, it's. I always say because there was moments in my life where I was like, I need to check in somewhere. I I need some help. Like emotionally, I am fucked. Like I need some help here. And it's, I always find it not fair that there's like so many like drug and alcohol rehab clinics, but there's nowhere for you to go for this trauma or this like codependency or the, all these things that are like consuming your whole life, these addictions and these bad behaviors that we are subjecting ourselves to. Like it drives me crazy. We don't have this. Yeah. That's kind of why Carl and I got together and created our program at the Love Fix. You know, have, we have a program for codependency, toxic mm-hmm. relationships. Um, it isn't like going to a rehab, but it, it's kind of a jump start. You know, start, you start working on these things. You start you start understanding these, these concepts. Uh, you may need more than that. Sure. But it's a great start. Yeah, it's such a great story. You know, the only other thing that I can think of, and this is not a rehab and it's not trauma work or 12-step groups, right? Like that you can go to if you want to like, you know, Codependence Anonymous, um, SLAWS, what does it stand for, Sherry? Sex, love. Sex and love, addiction, anonymous. Yes. Um, There's Al-Anon. Like, you know, there's different groups and things like that um, that you can go to. But like you said, there's no like rehab. There's no, uh, you know, checking myself in here. We're going to like deep dive into the codependency and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing centers. um, Because I think because so many people are codependent and with drugs and alcohol, it's a physical thing, right? With eating, it's a physical thing. With money, it's a physical or digital thing. Um, But, you know, porn, same thing, right? Like all of these things where it's like, with codependency, it's like thinking. Like your thinking is kind of crazy. I have never met an addict or alcoholic that doesn't have codependency underneath. There's always some kind mm. of trauma or codependency that can take a person out. I talk about, again, my ex-husband, he was taken out by codependency, couldn't say no at work, fell, fell off a ladder, broke a shoulder cuff and was on alcohol. He was on drugs and, and started drinking again. It was codependency. And well, where did the codependency come from? Trauma. So underneath you know, most addicts and alcoholics is that trauma and codependency piece. Absolutely. You know, Dr. Gabor Mate, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he does a ton of work on this and how um, every addict has like this trauma, codependency, all these things that have happened to them. And like to really get to the, how do you fix those problems without getting to the root of it? Like, I just want to check in by the ocean and spend a week in, in emotional rehab and be able to like be by myself for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. And have Sherry like therapy me and make me better. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. Well, Carla like brushes my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's the center. Everybody can sign up at, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> so funny. So, you know, what would be your advice to anybody who who's trying to navigate this and find their way through it? Even starting is is scary, exhausting, right? Let's be honest, it's exhausting. Just the fact they're here right now is a start. They're listening to your podcast. They're going to listen to ours at The Love Fix. That's a great place to go. And because we go underneath these issues, we go underneath the codependence, we go underneath the trauma, we get into the attachment styles and toxic relationships. We we go, we just peel back the layers one at a time. That's That's a start just by, I mean, you know, everyone give yourself credit for just showing up right yeah. now at this moment. If yeah. you think that there's some, some sort of trauma, hire a trauma therapist. Yes. I would also say just acknowledging and the awareness is the start. Like yeah. you can't do shit if you don't, if you aren't aware, like that's just, mm-hmm. you know, the basics. So the fact, if you're like, whoa, I am codependent. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that me always picking people to fix or that I needed to feel validated in relationships like this was codependency. Like you're here, you've arrived, right? Yeah. There's no like official, like, hello, you're starting the race. Like we're all, you know, we're all on this journey in life and, you know, we're all going at our own pace and there's no right or wrong to showing up to it. And, and another piece, which I wanted to bring up earlier was slowing it down, just slowing your nervous system down. That's a huge piece. Like what is going on right now in my nervous system? Why am I so impulsive? Why am I so reactive? What can I do to just slow it down? It's, it's so simple and yet so difficult. It is so difficult. Um, the journey to do that is really, really difficult, but once you're able to do it, you're, I can't even explain like the release of when you're actually able to control your nervous system. Yes. Yes. Whoa. It's well, think about all of the uh, choices that you've had in your life. A lot of my choices were very reactive, very impulsive. I didn't even know what that meant to slow down. I didn't know what it was like to not be in disassociation. And that's why what Carla said earlier about the awareness. If you have awareness and the slowing down, you're going to make better choices. You're going to change your patterns. So true. And I think too, for people listening, like even if you're able to absorb this conversation and comfortably listen to it, there's your start, right? You're, you're willing to hear it. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Love that. You know, I really want to talk to the two of you about love addiction because I... I, like I said earlier, I feel like this doesn't even just come into play in intimate relationships. This can, you know, this shows up for me when it comes to family as well. You're just like desperate to have that love. And I really want you to break down what love addiction is, really is for anyone who's not familiar. So I think love addiction and codependency often overlap. You can be, I think every love addict has codependency. I don't think every codependent has love addiction because you can be codependent on other things other than a love relationship. But love addiction is a process addiction. So it is probably in the same category as like shopping or gaming or spending or internet or exercise, but you get the same euphoric state that you get from a mood altering substance. It's the same feeling you you have, a, you know, like you fall, you're looking for that love that first love. So for me, love addiction started with my first boyfriend. I was always looking for that feeling I got when, oh my God, like, like someone who has their first drink, it's like, ah, that's what I was, that's what I've been missing. For me, it was, oh, that's what I've been missing. That feeling of euphoria that I get because somebody is paying attention to me. Somebody Mm -hmm. wants me. It becomes their whole identity. They feel empty if they're not in a relationship. So they, they don't feel whole unless they're in a relationship. And when a breakup occurs, 
They have the same withdrawal effects. They, um, they're longing for that attachment that they've lost. They're, they're longing for that pleasurable feeling that they've lost, just like a drug abuser is longing for their fix or for their drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the codependency would piece would be you over adapt to be what others want you. You turn yourself into a pretzel because you, your worst fear is to be alone or be abandoned or be rejected. So you're going to do anything to hold on to this love object. You have no boundaries. You settle for less. You have a fear of letting go. You have a fear of the unknown. You really basically will, again, change yourself just to fit into what this person wants so that they'll love you and they won't leave you because you fear abandonment, you fear withdrawal. And, you know, you just basically give up who you are to get that person's love and approval. Did you just describe me? (laughs) (laughs) That is love addiction. Feel seen, Sherry. (laughs) There we go. Validation. Yeah. Validation, you know, it's interesting too, because I feel like this can show up in friendships a lot as well. Like I know so many people who get stuck in these toxic cycle of friendships for like the fear of not being accepted, being left out. You know, they put up with so much shit, not just in, in intimate relationships, like friendships are a big one I see for people. Yes. I would say a lot of, a lot of my clients struggle in terms of the friendship side too. Um, you know, it's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, I have clients and this would be more of the codependent side of things, but, um, you know, who don't like, you know, they, they people please that kind of thing. But in terms of like the, you know, the love addiction, it also, I would say too, it's like we were talking about earlier, it's like family, right? Like, and, and a lot of times too, I don't know, Sherry, if you would agree with this, probably, but I know codependency is a passed down, you know, generational uh, thing. And I would say love addiction would be the same way. Just like oh my alcoholism. God, yes. There's yeah. something in our genes. Well, it's called transgenerational trauma. I mean, when I, you'll, I talk about it in my, or you can read about it in my book, Love Smacked. You know, my grandmother was married three times and the fourth one was a gambler and he stole everything in her house. While she was dying of cancer, she couldn't be alone, so she picked him. I think my mother was very lucky. She met my father at an early age and had a great life. But when he died, she became addicted to love and ended up with a con man, also. And then I've been married several times. I have a history of picking really terrible partners. Why? Because I don't want to be alone. It's so scary. Obviously, I've gotten past that. I'm a different person today than I was. But yes, I absolutely believe that it has passed down for sure. Mm, that's so interesting. You know, the connection pattern between love and addiction and trauma, you can't deny that they're connected. 100%. Right. You're yeah. looking for love in all the wrong places because you didn't get what you needed early on. Yeah. Give us an example of someone with a love addiction and what are some ways that they can heal from it? So an example would be someone that goes from relationship to relationship. They can't be alone. Or I want to throw this in there too, just as well. Somebody can be in a relationship and be on dating apps because they're addicted to that high. So you can still be in a committed Great relationship, point, but, but also on the dating apps. Keep going, Sherry. I got you. No, no, Ooh, no. I love that. I mean, yeah. the healing starts with, well, like we talked about earlier, awareness, getting a great therapist, joining um, you know, our program at the Love Fix, or going to a 12-step program like Love Love Addicts Anonymous. I mean, there's so much help today. There's so much help today. There's there's so much out there for healing. You know, the biggest thing is asking for help. That is like, that is healing. Because if you're ready to do the work, then you Mm -hmm. will show up and do the work. 
the hardest part is saying, oh shit, I'm a love addict or oh shit, I'm a codependent. Okay, I need to ask for help. Because now yeah. you're you're grieving in a way, right? Because you're and nobody talks about that side of healing, of letting go of this past self and how freaking terrifying it is. And I can say this, you know, speaking of my own, of like, yes, working with clients, but my own journey around, you know, healing trauma and things like that in terms of my codependency. And there's a grieving process of letting go. And it's scary because you're like, I mm-hmm. only know this person and it's kept me safe. So letting go of that and learning a new way of life. And not going back to my defaults of what's comfortable feels really scary, but there's also something like exciting about it too. And so I think it's holding on to that piece of of asking for help and going for it too. And the willingness, Mm -hmm. the willingness, you know, so many people will, Carla and I talk about this all the time. Everybody wants a quick fix. You know, like when a client calls me and they're in this toxic relationship and they're trying to get it to work. And I'm like, listen, I think you're, you're, you have PTSD. I think we need to work on the trauma. Oh no, no, no. I I want, I want to change him. I, I want him, I want him to be different. I want him to stop abusing me. I want, and they want something that doesn't exist and they're not willing to, to maybe even own. I mean, not everybody, many people will continue the journey with us and will work on their, their stuff, but many people want that quick fix. There is no quick fix guys. It takes time to heal. It takes work to mm. heal. Mm-hmm. I was that quick fix person. Like I literally was like, what's the point in going to therapy? I don't have a year. I need this to like, I need this figured out now. And that just is not realistic. The The reality of it was I sat in it for another year of complete fucking chaos until I was actually smart enough to be like, oh, okay, maybe I will take the time. And then you just get there so much quicker. Yes. And what's so sad is, and again, there's so many people out there. And again, there's such great stuff on Instagram and so forth, but there's also a lot of snake oil salespeople that'll tell you, okay, if you hire me, I will, I will, you will be Mm -hmm. a a new person, you know, in 30 days. Like, really? I mean, I had one client say that he, some guy was like promoting some program where in like in a week or I don't know, something crazy, you will be fixed wasn't even a licensed therapist, wasn't even a certified coach. I mean, Carl and I, we, we hold the highest degrees. I am a licensed clinical social worker. I have a master's degree. Carla has the highest, and I'm not trying to toot our horns, but you got to be careful. You got to be discerning. That's that's the thing. Like it doesn't have to be us. Like we don't like, look, like we're not for everybody and that's okay. Um, but I really feel like protective over this space because there's so many people out there who are vulnerable and that's not something to fuck with because you're literally like this is somebody's life like and and picking you know if we're looking at it in a romantic sense picking a, a life partner or somebody to marry or a relationship to be on can be one of the biggest life choices that you will ever make and people always look at career and whatever but no i will say relationships and so i really think you know if if you're going to look into this and and doing the like the work and the healing look into who's teaching it look into who is you know, offering the courses and that kind of thing. What is um, their background? What are their degrees? You know, really, really be discerning. You, you're worth it. Mm, do your homework. Do your homework for sure. You know, everyone who's listening right now, I would love for you to explain a little bit more about your programs and where they can find it and what people can expect from it because I love this. Yes. So Carla, I'm going to let you do that. And by the way, I cannot remember our email That's- address. We, and we want people to email us too. <laughs> so Carla, do you know our email address? I mean, I will, I'll throw it in there. <laughs> I will throw it in there. Okay. So this is, this is literally Sherry and I, 
This is literally Sherry and I. Okay. So um, we have a program called The Love Fix, Get Healthy Relationships and Dating. And it's literally for anybody. If you're in a relationship, you're married, you're going through a divorce, you are divorced, you're going through a breakup, you're dating, it doesn't matter. It's all about how to get into healthy relationships. There's six different modules. Um, communication, red flags, boundaries, communication, red flags, boundaries, manifesting your ideal partner and relationship, even if you're in one. Um, Sherry, what else am I forgetting on this? The love lab, love lab, trauma. Yes, self-love and self-love. So, uh, you know, it's it's really comprehensive. There's multiple workbooks. Like it's a very, you know, dense program. Um, And that you can go to thelovefix.com, sign up. Um, Sherry and I also offer a Love Fix um, coaching program where you can actually work with she and I one-on-one together. Um, And if you're interested, this is where Sherry is saying to to email. (laughs) uh, (laughs) To email. You can also go and email us at um, lovefixpodcast.com at gmail.com. That's lovefixpodcast at gmail.com. Are you sure it's not the love fix? Or is it I'm positive fix? because that okay. is our... Yeah, yeah. We're always like, like, a ju- like She and I always... Uh, no, not she and I. I always screw up our, our website. Like we have to talk about... We talk about it on the podcast. We're like, question of the day. Go to lovefix.com. Submit your question. We'll answer it. And I always mess up that. So it's lovefixpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll, we're yes. offering, um, you know free strategy calls to talk about, you know, whether or not you'd like to work with us one-on-one. Awesome. And social media, where can everyone find you? Because you're on there too. (laughs) Yep. Sherry, is it the Love Fix podcast? (laughs) That is the social media. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Hold on. I promise. I promise we know this shit. It's the Love Fix podcast. That's what it is. You know, one more thing before we before we wrap this up. I ask every guest before we finish, what would you tell your younger self? And I cannot wait to hear from the two of you what you would say. I know what I'd say. All right, you go first. Um, help me think about this. That you're doing the best you can and that, you know, to really just take in this moment and everything's going to be okay. And, and just to remind yourself that you're worthy, you're enough, and you're lovable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I would say no shame or blame. You're going to make mistakes in life. That's just part of life. Uh, but slow it down before you make decisions. Really know yourself. Think it, mm-hmm. think it through because every decision you make is going to affect your future. It's sort of like yeah. you're making a deposit in your bank account of what your future is going to look like. So Ooh, I like so that. There's been a lot of these good little one-liners <laughs> in this episode. I love this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now we have a new best friend. So it's great. <laughs> All right. Here I am. Yay. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you guys so much. And one thing I wanted to mention just for everyone to take in before the, we wrap this episode up, if you are in this process of, you know, healing from codependency and love addiction, or if you're just starting, it's okay to have slip ups. You are not going to have to start from square one. I think we beat ourselves up so much for that. And I really, really want to drive that home. Like, it's okay. You've got this. You can start again. You've got the tools. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that today's episode provided insight, inspiration, and comfort to anyone who is dealing with the effects of trauma. Remember, You are not defined by your scars and you are not alone in your healing journey. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure to rate, review, and share this episode with a friend who could benefit from listening. We'll see you next week.